right, welcome back to the Play More podcast. Again, I'm Jay, I'm your host, and uh, today we're meeting with Will Schusterick from Prodigy Disc Golf. Um, first, of all, first off, let me say that this is brought to you by Played Again Sports in Kennesaw, Georgia, where we buy, sell, trade, and consign your used and new sports and exercise equipment. So Will was kind enough to let me come up and check out his factory, meet him here in person. How you doing, Will? I'm doing great. So this is kind of in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well, how did you find this place? What did it give you? So a little, uh, a little bit of a backstory was um, about a year ago, my wife and I decided that we were going to move from Nashville and come to work for Prodigy full time. And uh, a little bit selfishly, we tried to find something as close to Tennessee as possible because we were looking into some buildings south of Atlanta, kind of in the making Georgia area and we realized it's really far from where we had family in Nashville and Knoxville so we wanted to find something close and we were looking into warehouse space and this was an old uh, carpet I don't necessarily think carpet mill but a carpet kind of distribution warehouse and it had enough space uh, office wise and had enough space warehouse wise for us to be able to move in here and be able to do manufacturing and distribution. And uh, bonus was that Dalton doesn't really have a created disc golf uh, community yet. So we can make our own community here, uh, work with the county and the tourism board on building more courses. So it was a really good combination. They're all about disc golf here, which is something, of course, we want to build locally. And we've already built one course, and we have uh, full intentions to have three more within the next six months. All in the, so, this area? All in this area, yeah. They have another piece of property that's about 1,000 acres that they're looking to do. The course here has two baskets on each hole, uh, really nice tee pads. It's rated really highly across the entire state. Uh, everybody's came here to play. We've had a couple tournaments. So the tourism board, the county, the city, they're all very excited that we moved here. So let's let's retra- let's go back a little further. Uh, what is disc golf? Yeah, uh, disc golf is one of those outdoor activities that anybody can be a part of. I think that's a really simple way to put it. Um, kind of like how you can go hiking with your whole family. Um, disc golf adds that outdoor competitive feel that the young kids, like even if they're 10 to age 15, they just get hooked on to disc golf because they get that competitive advantage or competitive feel of being in like a baseball or a football or a basketball game where they're out there being competitive and trying to get better and work on their own game to beat their friend or to grow and get better in tournaments. So is it played like real golf? Exactly. And so there's courses and you just, you get out of the fairway. Exactly. There's uh, thousands of courses across the U.S., across the world now. And every hole has a tee pad that you throw from. Uh, it has a tee sign to where you know where the basket is. And the, uh, the uh, difficulty in disc golf, where golf has the rough and sand traps, disc golf has trees and elevation and kind of going through nature to kind of make it difficult on getting to the basket. So some holes kind of have a little bit of a right turn, a little bit of a left turn or a mixture between the trees. Uh, could be uphill, could be downhill, and the whole point is to get the disc into the basket. And um, is that part of the reason going through, or is part of the reason going through nature like that, through the through the woods, because maybe there's not quite as much land to to utilize? Uh, I wonder. I think we'll get to it in a minute, but I think some of the pro tournaments and they're shooting so many under par. Mm-hmm. Do we need more acreage? 
and I think it's actually, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of a combination of both. Uh, but one of the good things about disc golf is it can go in just about any piece of land. And it, a majority of the time, goes on a piece of land that's not already used, and they're looking for a usage of that piece of property. So behind baseball fields or uh, on a center piece of land between uh, two mountain bike areas is a really good example. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the times you see baseball fields, you go into the park and they have uh, a couple extra dozens of acres that they can't use for some reason, whether it's too much elevation or whether it's in maybe a little bit of a, a, drain, land a wetland or something like that. And they need, they want to use the area and they can't necessarily level it out for a soccer field or a baseball field. And the cost effectiveness to install a course on that piece of land is so low that they can bring in tee pads, tee signs, baskets for almost a, almost a tenth of the cost of any other sport. So what roughly what does it cost to put a course in? You're going to do t pad. If you're going to start from the very bottom, you're going to do t pads, t signs, baskets, all that stuff. You're looking uh, in the ten thousand ballpark range, and uh, that's you couldn't that's, put a turf baseball field on right. that. No yeah, way. you couldn't yeah. put anything. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the people out right now, I guarantee there's people playing at Westside Park, which is the newest course in town, mm-hmm. and it's the most used aspect of the park. And there's four or five baseball fields there. There's a there's a pond go fishing there's a walking path and disc golf is the number one outdoor activity in that park what a great thing for all the park districts that's their main goal right for yes. tourism get, get people coming to their parks and yeah um super cool um <clears throat> when i was a kid i i uh like many people this was late 70s we played our version of disc golf with a regular frisbee yeah and i know that's a <laughs> taboo word <laughs> right yeah that's uh, okay though uh, but it's all we had, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I guess uh, disc golf courses had started a few years before we started playing it, uh, but uh, I really hadn't heard of it. I was in a small town in Ohio, and, and we did like everybody would do. You know, you'd weave your way through the neighborhood and pick a mailbox around Johnson's house into the, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever, and hit the basketball pole. And, yeah. And uh, it was big stuff. And then um, who's the guy who... Really got it all going. Is it? His name is Ed Hedrick. Ed Hedrick. Yes. Steady Ed. Steady Ed Hedrick. I've exactly. heard of him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so without him, we wouldn't be sitting here right, right. now. Right. That's, that's right. Yeah. And he, he developed the first baskets so, and yeah. frisbees, right? Yeah. Exactly. And regular catch frisbees too, right? He, uh, I don't think he developed the frisbee. That was Whammo. Um, and then I think there there's a little bit of an area where, and if you do your, your hard research, you'll uh-huh. find that people were creating discs and frisbees around the same time. Okay. And somebody who created the disc on the West Coast also created a disc on the East Coast. And it was kind of coming together around the same time. So there's a, there's a little bit up in the air, like who truly created it. Uh, but Steady had cr- he, he definitely created a professional disc golf association, the PDGA. And he's- They're the he's, governing body in these professional tournaments? Exactly. Or how courses are laid out? Or yeah, they the have, shape of baskets? Yes, yeah. he created. It. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, he. They are a. Uh, they're a nonprofit organization. They have over, I think, hundred and twenty thousand members right now of the PDGA. I think over forty or fifty thousand active. So within the year, they're active, uh, playing tournaments, paying their membership dues, um, and they are really the driving force that is behind disc golf. Is the PDGA. And uh, the the people that play 
tend to look out for the parks a little bit better, do they not? I mean, it's a, a good customer for the parks, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, it's, uh, you'll find this. They kind of help kind of keep them, maintain yeah. the area, Yeah, because right? it's their course, you know. They, yeah, they want the, pride. Yeah, they want the course to look good and be able to play well. And, you know, they think if they keep up with the course, their score is going to improve, and they'll do anything to improve their score. So uh, disc golfers are known to keep, keep care of the course and really kind of keep an eye out for stuff going on. And do you guys help in the design process of courses too? That's that's part of your... Yeah, and we don't, because we sell baskets, we sell all of the equipment that goes with mm-hmm. the course, but mm-hmm. uh, if somebody asks for help with the design, then we go into the design process for them. So locally, we try to be involved with as many as possible. Help because, communicate with the yes, park district or exactly, whatever. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Just because we, we've, uh, at Prodigy, we have so many world champions here mm-hmm. that have played thousands of courses around the world. They've been a part of so many top level disc golf courses that we at least at least want to share the expertise that we have in regards to making the course the best possible course that it can be Mm -hmm. so whether we come in and consult on a design that somebody already has and maybe make a few adjustments or we come in and we design the whole course from start to start to end All these tournaments that uh, all these pro players uh, played, uh, they're just now starting to make some money at it, right? I mean, for a long time, it was kind of small, small yeah. change. And you're a professional disc golfer, yeah. right? You just competed in the worlds, yeah, right? That's and right. I see some trophies and things around here. Yeah. Uh, um, what kind of numbers does it take to be a uh, – where do you need to come in as compared to par? Yeah, uh, you – it, it really uh, is based on the field. You know, of course, everything is going to be based on the field. But when you're looking to be a traveling pro disc golfer, mm-hmm. if somebody is looking into doing that kind of stuff, uh, the first thing is to, to test the waters because there's always going to be a local tournament in your area. There's almost 3,500 PDGA events a year now. Wow. Which is really incredible so to think 300 about. 300 a month. There's Something 10 every day. Easily. Yeah. Easily, it's it's unreal. So and you pick the one regionally that makes you, the most sense to drive regionally. to and hotel it up and, yep. and see if you can make some money back yeah. or just keep exposing exactly. yourself. And, and there's different divisions too. So there's the amateur ranks. There's two or three different levels of amateurs where you're total beginner, maybe a little bit step above. You've been playing for a year, and then right before the pro level, there's advanced, which is uh, uh, the division that people play right before they go pro and to test it out. And if they want to go travel and play, then there's the pro tour, there's the national tour, and then there's majors that you can play. So very close to golf, but you can kind of test your ability at these bigger tiered events against the top players. And how's the money grown over the years uh, in the, as far as purses? So the I, I would say the top money in the big tournaments hasn't necessarily gotten bigger in those specific tournaments, but instead of three or four tournaments paying out 8,000, there's now 15 tournaments. Okay. So there's a lot more going across. I actually, I, when I won the United States Disc Golf Championship in 2010, I was 18, and I won $10,000 $10, at the tournament. Huge money. Yeah, huge money, especially when you're 18. You know, you're, 18, you're like, yeah. let's go. Um, well, you're still pretty young, so what's that put you at, uh, 27? Yeah, 27. Yeah. 27. Yeah, and uh, so that tournament still pays relative to 10,000. It's within 10 to 15,000 depending on the year, but there's still another dozen tournaments that pay somewhere close to that 
plus the sponsorship money that goes on top of it. So your kids, you're just loving disc golf. There starts to be some tournaments where you feel like, hey, I can do this. You start, hey, you sign up and compete. Are there entry fees? Yes, there's entry fees. And entry fees for the pros are obviously going to be more than the AMs. And the AMs don't compete for money. They get they get what a lot of people call script or they get just merchandise. They don't play for money. So they're paying probably between the range of 30 to 70 or $80 on the high end for an amateur tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, for pros, we're paying $100 on the low end, and on the high end, like for the world championships, it was $300 to play. And the money that's paid out, does it come just from entry fees, or is it to other uh, sponsors yeah. and donations? The sponsorship and... revenue is one of the bigger things. Like, I think at the world championships, they had 200 competitors at $300 a piece, but the total purse, I want to say, was over ninety to close to 100000 overall i thought i read it yeah it was just over 100 yeah 108 something like that yeah and so yeah you're getting a lot from the entry but also equal as not as much from what businesses and, and yeah businesses uh sponsored discs so like people will sell fundraiser discs with the with the world's logo that's a really custom specific run that people are selling and um mm-hmm. 20 bucks a disc and then they usually start uh, a year in advance, so they're selling those fundraiser discs, moving up to the tournament, trying to fundraise as much as they can. Okay, and is, do you use volunteers in these tournaments? Yeah. So the the tournament usually everything is volunteer based when it comes to spotters, which you'll have spotters on the really hard holes that you might either lose a disc, or uh, you're going to be looking for a disc like in the bushes or really tough speed or something. Speed up, of yeah. play speeds yeah. things up. Um, there's scorekeepers. There's people who have to take care of like the water. All of those. For people. each hole, there's a scorekeeper. Is there a scorekeeper that follows around with? Follows the group? around with each group. Yeah, and usually that's going to be somebody who's watching. Like at the Pro Worlds, UDisc, which is the biggest disc golf app in the world right now, mm-hmm. you keep live scoring on that to where everybody can download the UDisc app. They can watch the live scores for the Pro Disc Golf World Championships. It's got stats, tells you up to date, like throw by throw. It's really easy to follow, and then. Usually somebody in the crowd or somebody who has done it before is going to say, okay, I'm going to keep stats for this group. I'm going to walk around. And somebody with every single group will keep stats. And there's someone from the PDGA walking around if there's penalties to be yep. distributed. Or exactly, exactly. So if there's any questions in regards to uh, is this out of bounds or how do we play this or Just what's the, the ruling? Yeah, something. yeah. It, how's the ruling in? Uh, it's still a self-governed, sport, self-officiated sport. So if somebody has a footfall and it's an additional stroke, then the players on the card actually have to call that on the player. And then it's confirmed through either the other players on the card. They say, yes, it was a footfall. Or yes, it's out of bounds. You go out of bounds here. And any other questions, that's when you bring in like a PDGA official. Mm-hmm. So what discs were you throwing when you first started playing? So in 2010, I was sponsored by Innova, and okay. uh, Prodigy came out end of 2012. It's sponsored about, by, yeah, are, are exactly. they paying you, or are they giving you product? At the time, so that, that make, that's a really big difference in 2010 versus 2013, which in those three years, it made probably the biggest disc golf change ever, because even the top players in the world never made any type of salary. They would only make bonus, and then they would get some product for free. Mm-hmm. In 2013, whenever we released, we were the first company to pay a salary to any type of sponsored player. So we sponsored 12 players. We paid them a salary to go travel and play along with bonuses. And since then, 
and now every company offers that to their top level players. And so you've got what are the handful of just a handful of uh, disc golf companies, right? Or yeah. there just or that's about that's that about available? right. That's about there. There are a lot out there, um, but you're really only going to know of a few. Innova, Discraft. Well, excuse me, Prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> Innova, Discraft. Yep. Dynamic Disc. Yep. And uh, MVP. Yep. And then Latitude. Latitude makes yeah. the discs for for Dynamic and Westside. Yeah. So when you're looking at like manufacturers, I guess you could look at uh, Prodigy, Innova, Discraft, MVP. And then there's Gateway as well in the U.S., which is a little bit smaller, but they're still a man. They've been around for a long time. Um, and then Latitude from overseas, of course. And uh, there's a couple other disc golf companies like Discmania, which has their disc made by Innova. Uh, but there's not as many manufacturers, you could call them. And you guys are a manufacturer, yes. yep. among other things. And, and how many people do you employ locally? So we have at the warehouse every day about 12 to 15 people. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I still can't believe you even found this place. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I took I, I took a right and I'm running out of time to get here and like, oh, here's a down this gravel road yeah. and I'm like, oh, this There's is someone's sign. house. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, Prodigy cool. Yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. And we, and we make it we make it known there's no retail area here. Yeah. You know, so we no have need often, to be near yeah. anywhere. Right, near the exactly. Or there's there's distribution and manufacturing here and we get some people every now and then that'll come by because their address is online. Yeah. But we let them know like, hey, we, we distribute yeah. and your warehouse. Yeah, we yeah. got a warehouse and there's some places nearby that you can go buy discs and that's kinda like what our MO is. So you guys used to be in Woodstock. Yep. And why the move to here? So in Woodstock we were in a much smaller location and uh Probably really more expensive. It was more expensive, and we were growing very fast, and we just had to get a bigger spot. Yeah. So we got a much larger area for uh, really less price than what you're going to find anywhere near Atlanta. How many square feet do you have here? I think it's 60,000. 60,000 square yeah. feet for yeah. discs. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good size space for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so who founded Prodigy? It's, it was really a group of people, um, okay. and the group of people are, are world champions that have been in the sport for since the inception of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you just met one of them, actually, walking by, yeah. um, Michael. He was one of the founders of Prodigy. Another one, um, Dave Greenwell, who's mm-hmm. from Louisville, Kentucky. He's one of the most renowned world champions of all time. And uh, there's a couple people like that, and you know, I don't want to leave anybody out or... or you know, drop names just because I don't want to. There's a, there's a really yeah, good group of people. Handful of people. Yeah, yeah. handful of people that. And everyone kind of threw in money together to exactly. start a disc golf business. Yeah. Why? They wanted to see a change. Ultimately, they wanted to see a change in the sport because it it was the same for a long time, as you mentioned. It was the same for a long, even going up to 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. It was really the exact same. Like even when I started playing 2005 first place in, in the tournaments were the same until 2011. And that's when really you can see a huge increase. I think after 2011, it just skyrocketed to the amount of uh, uh, people playing, to the PDGA memberships, to people buying discs, businesses growing, people wanting to get more involved and follow professional disc golfers. They want to follow them. They're now fans. They want to see what they're doing. All of that stuff has really taken off within the last six, seven years has just been exploded. And uh, the owners of the company just wanted to see a new generation for disc golf because 
you know, as we're all going to say, it's the best sport in the world, which once we show people and people get to see disc golf and what it's for, how they can play with their family, how cost effective it is, and how uh, cheap it is to install a course. Well, yeah, there's there's kind of no negatives, too, and it yeah, doesn't cost anything to play. Although some courses, do they charge? Yeah, and there's some, and, and it's private pieces of private pieces of property where it's a business, it's a disc golf store, and they own the whole property, and you'll go there, you'll play a professional level course. You might pay $5 to play yeah, around, you might pay all, $8 yeah. all day, but you're playing on something that is top tier, and it's going to be a blast. Meaning maintained better? Maintained better, there's no better limbs, fairways, there's better yeah. fairways, you know, the tee pads are probably the top level, they got flowers on them, benches every hole. Not trash laying no around. trash laying around. <laughs> so you're going out to, you're getting the experience. And for $5 or 8 bucks, or, yeah, it's worth you it. know, it's totally worth it's it. It's worth it just for the walk. Yep. What's some of your favorite courses and why? Some of my favorite courses, um, man, that's tough because I've played all over the place. But o- overseas in Europe, they have a couple courses that are just unbelievable. What makes them so? Um, the amount, I'm a huge fan of elevation. You'll get a lot of people in disc golf. There's so many different pieces to a course. It could be that it's wooded. It could be the fairways are really nice. It could be the tee pads are really nice. And that's why you like that course. For me, I don't mind too much the trees, but I love elevation. Okay. Uphill, downhill, on the side of the hill. Um, but there's a course overseas that's For the called, beauty aspect? Yeah, or for what? the beauty okay, aspect. Okay, yeah. And in and, and the challenge, and, and not even necessarily the difficulty, but... You know, landing a disc going downhill is a lot more difficult than any type of flat ground. It's way harder, just completely different. You get to watch the disc fly Place it a lot where more. you want to. Place it where you want to. Uh, there's a course that's called Yarva, and it's in Stockholm, Sweden. And it's just amazing. Shout out to course. our Yarva friends in Sweden. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're, uh, that course, a lot of disc golfers say that's the best course they have ever played. And I could Sweden. I mean, how are you going to beat that? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's in the hills of Sweden. They mow the grass like every couple of days. They have their own driving range. They take care of every fairway like it's a real golf fairway. Like mm. every leaf is like trimmed back. It's pretty amazing. Beautiful. Yes. Um, another one, though, in the U.S. is in Vermont. It's in Smuggler's Notch, Vermont. And they had the World Championship World Championships there in 2018. They have two courses on the property. And I think that one is a pay-to-play. Uh, closed during the winter, of course, for the snow, but they have two courses. It's called Fox Run, and uh, gosh, I cannot think of the other one, of course, right now. But it's, anyways, those two courses are also amazing because of the vegetation that you get from the Vermont mountains. So, why the name Prodigy? What's the, what's the story behind that? Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly, but... Uh, it, I'm sure it has to do with the young generation of disc golfers that we initially signed to our team. We signed prodigal, 10 to 12. prodigal young team. Yeah, right there. exactly. Yeah. We yeah. had we had 10 to 12 players at the time. I think they were all below the age of 24, and they were all in the top 30, maybe the top 20 in the world. And when we signed all those players, we made a huge a big deal. Yeah. It was a really big deal, and it changed the sport around because the almost other like, band, hey, what are these guys doing? That's not fair. Yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it was, caught him sleeping. Yeah, exactly. Caught him sleeping. That's a good way to put it, caught him sleeping. And uh, it really made a huge impact for, yeah. for us as a company and for the players and for the disc golf world. It was like, wow, who are these people just came out of nowhere and yeah. signed these guys that I've been following since they were a kid. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of where Changed it Changed the from. whole industry, really. Yeah. And, uh, 
focus. So what about the logo then? Are you, are... I I have I didn't have anything to do with the logo. It it's was... a cool logo. It's yeah. got almost like a Star Trek, yeah. Trek looking. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got know, a little bit spacey. of like, yeah, a little bit of in that in there. Um, no, we it just came up one day, and at the time, um, I was an investor in the company. I am part owner of it as well. But uh, it came up, and I, I love the logo, and I love the way that it sits by itself or it goes in. Like, we have the team logo with the A with the star. So mm-hmm. it says team on it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of rec- – it's becoming more recognizable. And you don't know who here uh, no. did the first I don't, swoosh? I don't know. It's swoosh, that's a good way. No, I don't know. How about that? Pretty cool. Um, all right, so disc golf's made up of a bunch of plastic right and uh, tell me a little bit about the manufacturing process um, what's involved I mean you so you do you order a bunch of plastic in bulk and then what do you melt it down I mean what's the basic yeah and the, the, the basics of it is injection molding and, and anybody can go on to YouTube and, mm-hmm. and search up injection molding and it's really interesting to me to watch like Shark Tank because I love them I love the TV shows like that and they talk about molds and they talk about like cost of molds and injection molding and Ultimately, that's what it is, and it's learning the uh, the tricks of the trade and uh, getting down the process to make the best disc with the right plastic. And of course, plastic is a lot of R and D testing what you want, how you want it to feel, and then on a consistency basis, it's doing that over and over and over and over again. Which, if anybody knows manufacturing process, you're just going to have those challenges that come into play. Yeah, you make the same model and it's got different characteristics. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, it goes across the whole industry. It's just, yeah. it's uh, There's different tolerances you can deal yeah. with. Is that what drives the price? A, a better quality plastic or mold or something? Yeah, you uh, know, you, you get what you, I'm sure there's, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly involved in the manufacturing process. We have mm-hmm. our own head of production and, and mm-hmm. people who are trained to do that kind of stuff and have been in it for, for a long time. Um, but just the manufacturing process is, you know, you pay for what you get. And you also have some people who you, you can't really fake your way through it. You got to know what you're doing. You got to know how to fix a disc if it's running wrong. You have to know the plastic or the variation if you want to slightly change it to make it a little softer, a little harder. And then to make that on a consistent basis every single day. So, and the, there's characteristics of each disc. And, and those are temporary characteristics, Right as the disc breaks Pretty close. in. Yes, yes, as the disc breaks in, which is. What does uh, that mean, breaking a disc in? Breaking a disc in is. Uh, I don't think you can compare it to anything else in the in the sporting world because uh, discs are something that you throw, you hit trees, and they, and their plastic is going to change. It doesn't last forever, of course. So the more a disc breaks in, uh, the more it, I guess, can be called loses stability, and stability for a right hand player means that if you throw it backhand, it's going to go to the left. It naturally fades to the left. A little bit. A little bit, yes. And the more it gets beat up, the less it's going to go to the left, and it actually moves a little bit more to the right. Just a little bit. Over over, probably a few months, you're going to see it slowly start to turn to the right. Or get, you know, a lot of people say easier to throw. A lot of people say losing stability. But really just getting slowly beaten up over time makes that disc kind of like, a lot of people have them as like their workhorse, the disc that they know the best because they've thrown it for a long time, and it gets to go a lot straighter. 
So, I mean, isn't that the main goal, just to throw it straight you know, most of the time? Sometimes, yeah, and that's the hardest part. Actually, you can, you can find discs that go left, you can find discs that go right, but it's really hard to find that perfect stability of disc to make it go straight. Do discs have to be made out of plastic? They, they did have a Vibram used to make discs out of rubber. Okay. Um, and I don't know of any other company out there that... I think it was uh, some with metal or something, you know, or something. Well, yeah. there are qualifications that PDJ has for a disc. So mm-hmm. you have to be able to bend the disc in half at 35 pound pressure. How about that? Okay. So it's when you send in So you a couldn't disc, have a steel plate. So you that. couldn't have a steel plate, plate for... Uh, because they're looking out for the public courses and the people, the uh, pedestrians who are out there on the course. <laughs> it would still take someone's head off. It would off. still take somebody's head <laughs> oh, off, geez. of course. But they have these parameters that they have to have certain size dimensions for the disc. You can't just make one as large as you want. You can't make it just out of anything. It's got to be able to bend in half at 35-pound pressure. It's got to have a certain rim depth, rim uh, angle on the edge. can't be like a razor-sharp edge that okay. goes right into a tree. It's okay. got to have a certain diameter of that nose. So there's a lot of parameters in the PDGA qualification. Is that in part to protect the trees? It could be, yeah. Protect the trees, protect... Um, the people. Yeah. A lot of it is is safety. You know, even if I actually got hit in the head with a putt with a driver, but it was thrown like a putt. It was like I was tossing a disc to you. Hit me right above the eyebrow here, and I got six stitches. Oh, man. So imagine if that was a lot sharper. And uh, he just tossed it. It wasn't. It wasn't a hard throw. It was just like a toss. Knocked me right on the ground. You're used to throwing it, not catching it, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. I, wa- I walked between two people who were like, "Hey, man, here's your disc," and I was just right in the middle. Bam. And bam. Knocked me out. So okay. So that brings up another question. What uh, what kind of injuries does a long term disc golfer run into? I mean, any any shoulder, uh, and I've actually had shoulder injuries for the last year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and you attribute it to. Throwing just so, I mean, just a that thing lot of playing, can, yeah, slinging as hard as you can because the disc golfers now are throwing up to 80 miles an hour a disc, which is 80 miles an hour on the disc golf course is really fast. I mean, that's a 600 foot throw. What makes them throw so much harder now than 10 years ago? Uh, I think they're just the natural progression of the sport. You just get kids that are playing at works. five years yeah. old, you okay. know, and they've been throwing like that for five years, they've been throwing that since they were five. And then when they actually develop muscles and learn how to throw harder, they want to beat. Yeah. Oh, and they're, the efficiency, everybody's just like clicking. And they're ready to just rip shots. At, at 14 years old, I'm watching kids throw over 500 feet. It's amazing. It's, it's, that's pretty one of the more amazing things about the sport is they're so young and just crushing discs. Makes you wonder what the, the future uh, will hold as far as distances go, uh, whether that's just from the evolution of the player and, you know, Records are made to be broken, or yeah, if there's some right. technological change yeah. that will add to it, or probably a little bit of both. Yeah, it could go either way. And every year you see a new disc that's flying further than the person who used to you used to think could throw it a mile, and now they're throwing it even past that, and it's hard to fathom. Can't throw it any further. Impossible. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not <laughs> Let so me true. show you. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, I had to. I used to play uh, a lot at Oregon Park. Um, in the 90s, I guess, and then I started having neck issues and stuff, and probably not just from doing that, but I had my own business and stressed yeah, and yeah, trying to you know, then yeah. run out and do this for <laughs> play you know, real quick, play real quick, and come back, and it just you know, it's it's a violent, inefficient yeah. throw of mine. <laughs> yeah, right, and that's 
you know, as you're, you know, injuries, a lot of people have knee problems because there's a lot of twisting. Torque in the knee. Yeah, torque in the knee. Elbow, maybe, some Elbow. tendonitis. Yeah, so. if, if you have the incorrect form, then it makes it even more likely for you to get injured, of course. Of course, as, yeah. Of course. So your shoulder, um, what, what what's going on? Uh, so I have like a rotator uh, cuff, like, labrum yeah, or something? Yeah, and it's a little bit of like shoulder tendonitis, basically. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, of course, naturally it comes from playing a whole lot. And it kind of gives in, and then other parts try to keep up or compensate. That's and, right. Yeah. You know, I, I just tried for within the last this year, I've really taken it to kind of slow down a little bit of playing, just trying to give myself a lot more time of for rehab, taking time to get back to the course and stuff like that before. Are there hard. exercises to do in preparation oh, yeah. for disc golf? Yeah, yeah, and it's a lot of rotator cuff. It's a lot of like uh, pitching exercises. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Stretch Rot- band kind of. Yeah, stretch rehab. band. Um, you really need to strengthen the back. Really strengthening the back is one of the biggest things. Yeah. So um, I don't think like heavy weights or anything like like Wouldn't lighter help, weights yeah. does okay. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't really help building a lot of mass. You need you need fast twitch muscle fibers. Right. Right. Very cool. So can you explain the flight patterns a little bit to a, a disc golf? Okay, we talked about stability and overstable, and what does the speed have to do? with things how yeah, does that change things uh, a good you know a good thing i always say to people is if you if you're a beginner level player you shouldn't you should be looking at a driver as something that is just out of the range of your throw for that for that period of time because the driver has to have a certain amount of speed behind it or arm power for it to actually have the characteristics that you're reading on a, on a flight chart let's just say you're reading a flight chart it says the driver goes 400 feet you have to be able to. So if you're have, trying to throw it 200 feet, yeah, then it's, it's uh, not going to do that. It's, it's, you can, it doesn't just come out of your hand at 400. You have to have a certain arm speed or certain to match it. To match it, and so that's why you see a lot of people suggest throw a fairway, a mid range, or a putter because it doesn't require hard arm speed to be able to reach the flight characteristics. What's the difference between a mid range and a fairway? It's all about the nose of the rim, so how it flies through the air. Uh, the, the sharper the edge of the rim, obviously the faster it flies through the air. So, mm-hmm. And then you get into even micro changes of going from an F1 to F2, for example, an F1, F2. We designed the F1 to be more on the overstable, which means it goes harder to the left. And the F2, since it's one notch above, it actually is a straighter disc that you can get right out of the box. So if you're a beginner <clears throat> level player, you're going to want to get something that is F7 because higher it, number. Higher number. I like your numbering system, by the way. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. it's it's easier to follow and understand uh, if you know what you're looking for. Yes, exactly. And, um, and that's what it comes. You know, when we first came out, a lot of people questioned it and they said it's really hard to follow. But it it just takes a little education, and we hope that when people get into the Prodigy naming system, they can easily adapt to that faster than they can adapt to of course the other competitors we can we can compare to the other competitors on that but we want people to be able to look at the system understand it and know that if a new disc comes out they're not guessing what that disc is going to fly like for them they know that okay if i if i like the f1 i'll probably like the h1 i'll probably like the m1 and i'll probably like the d1 because i I like discs that are more on the overstable side if they're on the f3 to f5 they're probably going to like the m4 because it's right in that number range or the mm-hmm. PA4, PA3. So you, you see a lot of people fit in the same numbers across. So you kind of, you, I see a lot of players pick a number 
and if they have that arm speed, they run with it. They kind of just run with it, and that's their type of throw, their type of stability. You probably is. don't see too much of the exact opposite with numbers all over the board for certain kind of throw. Really, no, or, no, no okay. not too much. I mean, they're you know. And, they're, and how many discs are people carrying? Uh, like pros versus amateurs. Um, how many people should carry? I think is the other question. Probably. So. <laughs> I mean, how many do you need to carry? Yeah. Without you, being overkill. You need, realistically, to play a term, you need twelve discs. Okay. I think you need 12. Why? Um, the the way, you know, you have to account for wind. You have to account if you're going to get into trouble. So if you're getting into trouble, you might need a specific type of stability to throw forehand out of trees to flex it around and get to the basket. So that might be like one kind of trick, you know, let's call it a trick disc or like mm-hmm. something you only throw once or once every four rounds that you play. Um, but the other ones are going to be your putter, your main putter, that you're gonna use every single time you go to putt. You're gonna not really throw that putter, you're only gonna use it for putting. Because if you throw it, it changes the characteristics or you can taco it, which is kind of like folding it in half basically on a tree. And then you need just- <laughs> Hitting uh, the chains continue, hit that's it, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, a throwing putter, which is something you can throw off the tee nice and straight, maybe get it to gently glide to the left or gently glide to the right. Uh, and then you can do the same thing for fairway, same thing for mid-range, same thing for driver. You kind of really need just two of each of those. Of each style. Of each style, yeah. Interesting. Um, let's see. Uh, you have, uh, what's Prodigy Europe and Prodigy Canada? So we have distribution centers. Um, we're one of the one of the few disc golf companies. The other is the other is Innova. Uh-huh. of having our own distribution centers and Prodigy Canada is a warehouse in Canada that is uh just got off the what's funny is he just called me right there so we were we were talking about how <laughs> as a guy um, with the bad back <laughs> yeah yeah exactly we were just talking about um you know we need uh some permanent poles because we're for example um he he will actually buy stuff in bulk from us mm-hmm. to get across the border to be able to distribute from there much easier than Canadian vendors buying from us. Going through Little customs. Little small orders at a time. Yeah, yeah, going through customs, buying through Amazon, all of those things happen direct from Canada. So it's a huge benefit for being across the border. Same thing for Europe. So we send uh, big amounts of discs, baskets, all that stuff from here to their distribution center and they have make their them own available customer base. Yep. The make them available all dealers over there. Whatever. Exactly. So it's much easier to be ready to go if somebody wants the new release they have it they order it from there they get it within the next couple of days where's you have another facility in a different part of the world in mind uh yeah we've been looking at a couple of them um uh, but it's really where disc golf is growing and uh nothing kind of in uh i guess it's still in the hopper still still coming in so we'll kind of see where it see, where that, goes, yeah, yeah. see where that goes fair enough um do you still have the first disc you ever made Phil Arthur does. Yeah, he has it on his wall. What's we need the, we need to bring it in here, and I think the first disc we ever made was the D four. Okay. It was either the D one or D four. I can't remember because we only released two discs at the time, and I think it was the D four, and uh, I think he has it in his office. What color is that? I think it's clear A because faded clear. Yeah, yeah. faded something. Yeah, yeah creamy white <laughs> yeah something that's not good looking of course <laughs> right. really looks like the first you know i i uh i really the bat last batch of disc we got from you guys um 
I was really impressed with the with the look of the plastics and the shine to it and the swirls and the yeah. that. Uh, yeah, and that's something. One of the reasons, you know, I, I'm not going to take full credit for anything of that, but one of the reasons why we moved here in the first place was to do better stuff. You know, to make better looking plastic, better looking colors. That's why we got a new facility is to do everything upgraded. So like, just experiment. And not, not yeah, experiment, but also because we we always could have done that. You know, we could have done that from from the beginning, but now it's we're going to do it. It's not like we can do it. Let's figure out how to put it into our rotation. Like, no, let's hit it hard, and we're going to get this going into production, into people's orders. We're going to start releasing it. We're going to have a name. You know, and from there, you go into marketing. You go into how you're going to produce it. Kind of like this podcast. I figured, yeah. man, if I wait till I get it just perfect, it'll never happen. It will never happen. <laughs> yeah, that's, so. how, that's how it is. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to do it. Right on. Right on. Um, well, uh, I'd love to take a look around your facility at whatever you're uh, able to show us. I uh, get that. Um, and uh, we can talk a little bit there. But uh, before we get into that, um, simply put, what's the best part about disc golf? Best part of disc, about disc golf is everybody can be involved. There's so many sports worldwide nowadays that it's a very strategic demographic of people maybe it's colleges maybe it's the the eight-year-olds playing t-ball maybe it's the adults going to the golf course uh, but disc golf every one of those demographics and more can go out onto the course and play together at the same time so you you don't really see a lot of togetherness a lot of people being active at the same time and being in their own competitive lanes because when you go play basketball with an eight-year-old girl, you're really playing basketball with an eight-year-old girl. You can't really get competitive with it. But when you're on the disc golf course, you can play your own game. You're going to throw a shot as hard as you want. You're going to try to make a putt from 80 feet away. Mm -hmm. And the girl can do the same thing. And you can kind of teach her and coach her along. And she's doing the same thing. She's being competitive in her own lane, trying to get better, trying to improve. And that's what makes disc golf, I think, the best sport on the planet. Awesome. Well, I like it a bunch. I like you guys. I appreciate you letting me be up here. And uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind showing me around a little bit, uh, you know, I'd love to share with the listeners what uh, whatever you're willing to share with us. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pause this here. All right. So I've got the golden ticket here in the back of the Willy Wonka factory here. Will is showing us around. Mason's back here working hard. I'm kind of excited to see everything going on here. We'll go in this side door over here. All right. I see you've got a basket out here. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. We got a... That's your uh, yeah. stress uh, yeah. relief time. That's right. Naturally, everybody uh, works at the warehouse, plays disc golf, so lunch breaks. And <laughs> kind of a requirement. Yeah. You have a putt off or something? Yeah, we'll always try to make it from the shade up here. <laughs> All right, so this is a 60,000 square foot warehouse. Uh, we're walking in, there are, oh, how cool. Dylan. Hi, Dylan. All right, so we have, uh, I'm looking at uh, shelves and shelves and shelves of discs, yeah. disc baskets, every color under the rainbow. Um, you've got notes here showing your your low inventories are probably things you need to make some more of, I guess. Yeah, 
Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, we are the a manufacturer here. So um, something you always got to keep up on is inventory, new releases, uh, planning for new releases, what you're going to make. And then uh, on top of that is the accessory inventory where we just came out with new clothes over here. And then we have, uh, which we're running low on, is our backpack bag, which is kind of the next section. Um, and then we have the, you know, the warehouse guys back here who do a really good job in fulfilling all the orders, along with the retail side, which is kind of just our online site that people go on. We have uh, discs for people to buy in all different ways. We offer all the all the stuff on there. So if they're looking for something specific, they can always come to Prodigy, okay. shop.prodigydisc.com and find their size Shop shirt. Shop.prodigydisc.com. That's right. Okay. Exactly. Cool. And that comes direct from the warehouse. Uh, and then one of our main uh, sales are course sales, which is disc golf baskets, tee pads, tee signs. Uh, we're one of the largest disc golf basket manufacturers in the world so we ship out a lot of baskets every day what makes your basket unique we actually have a patent on the chain configuration so we have a cross chain that kind of looks like a basketball hoop how a lot of chains kind of just go from top to bottom yeah we actually send that we have three horizontal chains that go around the whole basket and it keeps them really tight to where they don't open up or let any discs go through and it hits the chains and drops a lot faster than any other basket out there on the market. I love the sound of a disc oh, that's Yeah, that's something that will stick in your mind. And once you, it's one of those things, once you get playing disc golf, you get addicted to the sound of hitting the chains. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, so uh, you've got, I guess, over there, boxes ready to go out? Or boxes, yeah, palletized baskets ready to go out. Uh, Orders always coming in, trying to get out the door. Uh, typically, we, we're within one to two days of getting out the door whenever an order comes in. So we work really hard to stay on that time frame, especially for customers who are getting the new releases and need to get them listed on their website or up on the shelves for people to know that they're there. Uh, and then we also do custom stuff, which is tournaments as well. So if a tournament is coming in, like we're the title sponsor for the Australian Disc Golf Championships this year. They'll come to us. They have 130 players in their tournament. We make up a player package of shirts, hats, towels, bags, and a custom disc with their logo on it. And we get everything together. And it's actually about a 50-day ship time to get to Australia. So we have wow. to be two months in advance shipping that. And that's actually going to be leaving today for that tournament. Super cool. Have you uh, changed your layout in here since you've been in here? Uh, or did a you nail bit. it right out of the beginning? A little bit. Uh, yeah, we drew it up a lot. You know, it's, you have a very large space, so you try to draw things up, check things out as much as you can, and uh, a lot of it, I'll say a little bit, was uh, trial and error. Sure. Uh, still kind of changing around a little bit. I'm sure we're going to be adding more. There's a lot of room to grow. Yeah, so, I see that. So, um, definitely excited. And your, is it the manufacturing area over yep. there? Yep, manufacturing and uh, our custom stamp side as well, kind of and, on that side. And you can't show me any of that good stuff. No, huh? I would, sorry, that's the... The secret sauce, the if you want to call it. Fascinating part of it. Yeah. Uh, I bet there's a lot of money sitting over there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, how much does an injection mold machine cost? There's some money. There's a lot of money. And how many, how many, how many do you have? Like, uh, you have... <laughs> Oh, I didn't think about pausing the music in the it's background. It's okay. We got a little background music. That's part of being in the factory. I love it. But yeah, there, there's a lot of money into it. That's why there's only a couple in the U.S. You know, you only have, you only have, like we even said, five 
off the top of our head of, of manufacturers just because there's so much money that goes into doing it and uh, uh, the trial and error as well because you're going to fail a lot more than you is, can see. is it like an injection mold machine or like yes. several machines yes. for one yeah there's there's several machines and several molds as well so you know you're going oh, like to even one machine will have separate you just slip in a mold. different mold yeah. for the whatever the fairway desk exactly. or, the, or the driver or whatever exactly. Do you ever, uh, do you guys ever do anything uh, with your machines for other industries outside of the disc golf? If someone came to you and said, hey, can you make this for me? No, and there's, I know some disc golf companies that do some stuff like that, mm -hmm. but um, we're too busy making discs at this time. <laughs> Beautiful. That, uh, you know, maybe down the road whenever we have uh, a lot more of them or, you know, yeah, if we're looking yeah, for get something. More machines for, yeah, something, get more yeah. machines and, you know, because we have the experience. Right on. You know, you might be able to offer it. Right on. Anything else in here you want to show me? Stacks of discs. You know, Stacks it's of discs. Disc golfer's dream, I guess. So you guys do not sell catch discs, correct? Right now, we don't. Right now. So there's a lot of industries that you can get in in the disc golf world that is one of those ultimate discs or smaller Frisbees that they play catch with. And um, hopefully that'll be something that we look into in the future. Yeah. I mean, and it's so weird. When, if I... If I and I'm a fan of the catch disc. Uh, grew up playing it, but also love disc golf. But it's so hard to go from one disc to another. Like, yeah. if you're playing disc golf and then let's go play catch, it's a I can't world. even throw it. You know, yeah. like, yeah. I can't even throw it 20 yards to a guy, yeah. and vice versa. You're playing catch disc, and then you're like, let's go play disc golf. It's just, it's so foreign, you know. Yeah. Which is probably why, like you mentioned, a lot of uh, players don't jump around with the different characteristics of yeah, the desk. So you yeah. probably stick with what they yeah, know. Yeah, you try to stick with what they know, and uh, a little bit of change can really make something drastic because you want to hit the shot perfect. You don't want to hit a four iron and then try to mess, mess around with a nine iron on the next shot. Right, right, yeah. Get it dialed in. What's been the biggest surprise with you about uh, having the company here, uh, whether by just weird stuff or with a, a disc itself was there a disc that surprised you and uh, or one you thought would kill it and then failed or vice versa uh our business has picked up tremendously from moving here but i also think a big thing has to do with the amount of support that we've got locally with no with like i mentioned earlier there's not a huge disc golf community here mm -hmm. but the uh, it, yeah. but they're creating it you know and, and we got the course in very professional level course which is west side park mm -hmm. dalton georgia and uh, it's really just been accepted by the community as something outdoors to do that they never knew about, maybe maybe even six months ago. They never didn't even, even, know about knew, about never it, even yeah. knew about it. And it's just really taking off. People love it. And uh, we're, you know, hopefully going to continue on that path and continue to get courses and big tournaments up here. Super cool. Well, hey, man, I wish you all the best. I appreciate you taking the time out to out of your busy day to goof around with me. So uh, sure appreciate it. And uh, we will be in touch. Thanks, Play More listeners. We really appreciate you listening in and hope you picked up a couple fun tidbits from our friends at Prodigy Disc. Take care, Will. All right. Bye. All right. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. Again, this has been brought to you by Play It Again Sports in Kennesaw. And if you like the Play More podcast, just please do us a favor. Uh, subscribe. Uh, you can rate and review it, share it with anyone you think might like it. Uh, and don't forget, you can always email the show at surferj1 at gmail.com. That's S-U-R-F-E-R-J-A-Y, the number one, 
at gmail.com and I'll reply. Also, you can check us out on Instagram at PIA Sports Kennesaw. Uh, so just go take care of yourself and be strong, safe, less vulnerable, and be able to do the things you want to do and play more.